Anyway, so okay, here's some of the topics that I have. Um, we still, I, I think, at some point we need to revisit the sex topic, uh, and maybe uh, maybe talking. Cause That's I, when we have Shannon on. <laughs> Shannon, you want to talk about sex with us? No, Shannon does not want to talk about sex with us. Apparently, do you want to talk about <laughs> lack of sex with us? <laughs> hey, abstinence chose us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we do this thing as a culture, as a people, like mostly to our celebrities. It's really pick out. It's really easy to pick out in our celebrities. But there was a time whenever, like Nicolas Cage was in like every single movie, or uh, Tom uh, uh, Tom Cruise was in like every single movie, where we latch on to somebody who is good at a thing or talented or good looking or whatever it happens to be and then we milk them for everything that we that they got in such a short period of time and we don't just do it with our celebrities like i think about like um at work like if you're a good employee um you're gonna get grabbed and say hey can you work on this project and this project and this project and this in such a short period of time because all of a sudden you got recognized as somebody who produces good work uh, who's reliable and who is um, able to able to deliver what it is that they're that they're promising, you know? Uh, and so all of a sudden, you're getting pulled into every single thing imaginable. Now, I'm not I'm not saying that that's like I, I have experienced that because I have a problem saying no. <laughs> but um, what brought this up to to mind was: Have you seen uh, any of the Chosen series yet? Oh no, I saw part of it. Okay, but you know the main actor, the guy who's playing Jesus, he's Jonathan Rumi. Uh, yes. Okay. Now. Okay. Well, his name's Jonathan Rumi, but because he's in this chosen series, and you should watch it. It's really good. Like, um, they have it's episodic, so it moves very slowly. The casting was brilliant. The way they wrote Peter is fantastic as a character, and that opening episode, um is so good that I was completely hooked after watching that opening episode. It's, it surrounds uh, – I don't want to spoil it because I think there's a lot of people that listen to this who will probably watch watch The Chosen. Um, but it ultimate, ultimately it surrounds Nicodemus and Jesus – not not Jesus, actually. Jesus only shows up at the very, very end. Um, and, and Peter and um, – Mary Magdalene, right? So that's this the story kind of revolves around those three characters. And that's what I think makes makes the chosen so good is that it's it's these stories about what does it actually look like to follow Jesus, right? Mm. A, a, as a disciple. Oh, cuz you're the chosen. Right, you're the chosen. Oh, right. I just broke the code. Right, exactly. But that's that's what and they had a fantastic episode um in season 2 just now. I think it was episode 3 or whatever. Um where the entire episode Jesus isn't in it. The entire episode um, happens around a campfire while Jesus is ministering to a bunch of people and his disciples are just taking care of the camp, you know, filling the needs as Jesus is hearing these people, curing them and doing all that stuff like long into the night. Uh, They don't know when Jesus is going to go back. I don't think Jesus has a line in in the episode. He might... Because at the very end, he comes back really tired. He might say hi, or I can't remember exactly what he says, but it's a very short period. But what ends up being the entire episode 
is the disciples around the campfire talking about their experience of trying of what they think is happening, what they think their role is, um, what they don't like about each other, and like it's fantastic. It's it's mm. a great episode. Um, but beside the point, the 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 whole thing here is Jonathan Rumi now shows up in anything attached to Catholicism right now. Because <laughs> he's the hot commodity. He's the hot commodity. Oh, you know what this reminds me of? Like two, 1999 Vin Diesel. Yes. It's like because he's in Pitch Black and then he's in Triple uh, X mm-hmm. and Fast, Fast and, and Furious, Furious. Yep. and then like then Riddick. Winning's winning. And then they're like, whoa, we love me some Vin Diesel. And then it's like, you know who we don't like that much? Vin Diesel. I used to say I lived my life a quarter mile at a time. And I think that's why we were brothers. Because you did too. And then, right. and then he's gone until it's like, let's do fast four. Right. Fast, I feel like fast and furious. I feel like that's that's and that's that stupid line from um Christopher Nolan's Batman, right? You're either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. It's just like the flash in the pan kind of thing you're yes. saying. And I'm like, what is this that we do? That we get all obsessive about something. Yes. Like, why do we, when we find a song that we like on the radio, Call Me Maybe, why do we play it all the time in the summer and I haven't heard it since? Yes. Well, I have, but not that often. What is this? What is this phenomenon? It's something in the human psyche. I think that it's like, I need to do this all the time. It's, it's, it's a weird consumption of, so sometimes goods like like it can be it can be something as simple as like an Oreos like well or um oh this is this uh, GV will probably hate me for this but like she'll go into these kicks where we have to eat at a particular restaurant and then we just do it all the time um what was what was one of these things uh, where she was and we haven't been in in like year um purple penguin's a good example. Like Purple Penguin, uh, for those the who snow people, cones, yeah, the snow cones. So, so for people who it's don't, it's like a trailer, but it's it's technically Hawaiian shaved ice because, oh. yeah, uh, and it comes with like ice cream and flavors and all kinds of crap. It's gross, but it like high fructose corn syrup sprayed on all the stuff. I think it's nasty, but but there was a while where she was like, I got to do this every single week. We're gonna we're going to Purple Penguin. I got my little. Uh, members card or whatever uh-huh. where like i'm gonna fill them up 18 times or whatever um and then we haven't actually been to a purple penguin in years like it's not just because it, it's it's only a summer thing but after that one summer it was like eh, all right, maybe we'll go to purple penguin but, but yeah we won't it's like i used to go to baja fresh like once a week if that right. and then when i'd go to california i'm like oh I hope there's a baja fresh because <laughs> i'm only here for seven days right i need a baja fresh. oh there's one in there's one in Pasadena. Good. I'll go to that one. That's not far. And then I didn't go to, I went to Baja Fresh like five times and I don't even know if they have them anymore. I haven't like, I remember where they were, but those aren't there anymore. I find this an interesting phenomenon because like, so, cause with in certain scenarios, it actually makes things better. I'm going to use a weird, a weird example here of Justin Timberlake. Are you a Justin Timberlake fan? Do you listen to any of his stuff? I know him. You know of him, right? No, well, of course I know of him. I mean, Everybody I know of him. I know him. He's he's a he's a superstar or whatever. But um, so he obviously started out in the in the um, in sync. 
Oh, he was on Mickey Mouse Club. There you go. Mickey Mouse Club, moving into NSYNC, and then he kind of went on his solo career, and he everything was about Justin. Even like in NSYNC, everything was about Justin, right? And then uh, he was he was part of some TV shows and did some movies and stuff yeah, like that. A lot that. of Saturday Night Live. He was really good in those. He was, he was fantastic in some Saturday, in the Saturday Night Live stuff. Um, but his art actually... <sighs> actually got better like whenever justin timberlake first came out um with within sync there was a lot of cliche stuff there was some decent like yeah and then even his solo career was kind of right right but but as he progressed there was some stuff in there that got really good at some Mm -hmm. point um and you could tell that there was a that he had somehow drawn into to be able to focus on the art to where even though people were trying to use him for various other things he was able to focus on his craft but that's not the same thing for other people mm-hmm. like other people who kind of kind of got wrapped up into the hype because they put out a good single or they made a good film. Vin Diesel's a fantastic example. Yeah. All of a sudden you're like, OK, this is just cheesy and dumb and the craft never improved. Right. Uh, it was like a one trick pony and that trick has been played 18,000 times. Right. Um, and I guess my question is. Like, how do you not become the, how do you live long enough not to become the enemy, but somehow do what Justin Timberlake and maybe a handful of others have done to be, because that's what I'm worried about, because I think The Chosen is a fantastic series. Uh, But I'm worried that, like, somebody like Jonathan Rumi, where he's, like, showing up on every single podcast, on uh, TV shows, uh, um, endorsing a bunch of things through Catholic social stuff, because he's a Catholic guy, and he's part of this this fantastic um, TV. TV show. I'm worried that somehow this is going to make him have like one of those Britney Spears moments where you realize that everything he is... shaves his head. <laughs> Leave Britney alone. Where you he realize that that uh, like I'm just being used and I'm not actually producing anything good and I need to I need to radically do something stupid in order to 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 feel something. Well, he has to get to that point first. Right. It's like right. if the chosen stops, the show stops, and then he doesn't have anything to go on to, then it might be that way. Or Which no is a matter, possibility. no matter what, he's not gonna. He's hot now anyway. So even if the show goes four more years, it's gonna decrease. Right. Diminishing and people returns. aren't gonna want to see him or listen to him or have him sell rosaries on TV anymore. Right. But, <laughs> but you know. Then that's the selling kneelers. <laughs> right. I'm gonna I'm gonna see him at a at a diocesan conference booth next to us or some or Oh yeah. No, but it's more like hawking hawking your own line of jewelry. Right. But, but I mean that's gonna happen anyway. But I mean he can still put out good material if he just wants to do acting and if he gets involved into something else then that's great. And then he can continue it or he can, you know, spend his life doing other stuff like Jimmy Carter building houses and stuff. Yeah. You know, he had his, his time as president. And like my dad used to always say, he's like, Hey, he wasn't that good of a president, but he did all these great things after. And I was like, Oh, okay. And then you see all these awesome things he did, you know, and you know, like the habitats for humanity and things like that. And you're like, Whoa, that, you know, he's doing all these great things with his life. Right. He was able to, to channel that and focus in on something else that actually meant something. Right. So if he, if what's his name? Um, Jonathan Rumi, Jonathan Rumi, Jesus, you know, he stopped playing Jesus and he's a good Jesus, by the way. Yeah. Well then he can maybe be that they might have Jim and Jesus and other stuff. Right. Or he, but then, you know, when he's Jesus in the sitcom, like, where's my Jesus or something. And, 
Right. It's that old apocryphal story of um uh, of who was it? It was uh Da Vinci painting the 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 Last Supper, right? What do you know this story? I don't know where it's going. Oh, I okay. know stories about the Last Supper. Okay. The, <laughs> the the way the story goes is that he's looking for models for um the people in his painting. Oh, I thought you were going to say when Jesus goes in and he says, we need a table for 26. And they're like, what do you need a table for 26 for? Well, we're only going to sit on one, one side. side. <laughs> yeah. no, the way- and that's when the, wait- the waiter sits there and he's like, hey, who left this this big old metal tray? And he lifts it up and it's behind Jesus's head is the big gold circle. <laughs> the halo. Interestingly enough, in the, in the, uh, the, the last supper, uh, it is Da Vinci. Yeah. I'm not screwing this up. Right? Yeah. So, it's Da Vinci. Uh, I'm just, I'm second guessing myself now because I'm recording it, but, um, because it's going out there with people yelling their zunes. Exactly. <laughs> but what are you stupid? You know, it's Rembrandt. No, it's, <laughs> no, not, it's not Rembrandt. Definitely not Rembrandt. <laughs> but, uh, um, interestingly enough, there are no halos in Da Vinci's last supper. Uh, and that's on purpose. He's he's emphasizing the humanity in the in the perspective. But anyway, um, but the apocryphal story goes is that he's looking for artists or he's looking for models to stand in for the Last Supper, and he finds this virtuous person uh, that the whole town is like, oh, this person has to be Jesus because they love the church. They're so good to the poor. They're so good to the widows and the orphans, um, and and just a beautiful person uh, inside and out. Like you know, he's going to be your perfect model for Jesus, right? Um, and this person was talked up, and then when when Da Vinci actually chose them, like, oh, of course, the town like loved this person even more now because like, yeah. This 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 person who we expected to be a saint is now portraying Jesus in this famous artist's painting, right? Mm-hmm. And then so um, time goes by. He finishes he finishes painting Jesus, and then now he's on to the last um, object of the painting. He's got to choose who he's gonna who's gonna make Judas, mm-hmm. right? And, and that's a tough decision. Oh, I know this. Yeah, it's the same guy. It ends up being the same guy. He looks for like he he finds this lowly guy outside. Who looks dejected and broken, and he says, "I need you to be my model." And the guy just weeps as he's painting him. He's like, "Why are you crying?" He's like, "Because I was also Jesus." And it was this 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 thing of like he's like everybody thought so highly of me, and so that 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 I I uh, became absorbed into that, and I drew myself into that, and I I. I I forgot about the poor and the love and it became about how good I am, you know? And I think that that's like, came about me. Right. And I think that's one of those devil tools that happens in these burnout scenarios. Right. And that's, 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 um, cause that's how you think. I mean, there's, okay. I'll tell you a story too about like when you're talking about flash in the pan, do you remember Mambo number five? Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mambo number five. Oh, absolutely. I remember Mambo number So five. I listen to Adam Carolla's podcast, right? And he's talking about, I think, when he was doing Loveline or something and Lou Vega comes on it and he's like, so what's happening next or something? And he's like, oh, man, there's nothing but going up for Lou Vega or something like Lou that. Lou Vega, actually. Oh, Vega with yeah. a B? I yeah. always thought it was Vega. Or is that, or is that Vincent, how- Vincent Vega from <laughs> Full Fiction? <laughs> so Lou Vega, like... There's nothing good but going up. It's all, you know, and he hasn't done anything since. So it's just like, okay, buddy, you have a hack song that's catchy. That's why you're popular. Right. And then it goes to your head and then you think you're hot stuff. Right. And and then you don't do anything else and then that's it. And then, of course, 
you know, a couple of years ago, he's like doing commercials for like, I don't even know what it was like retirement funds or something like Lou Vegas out there on the, on, I got my little bit of Jessica here by the pool with right. my, with my senior <laughs> or that tag team song, you know, tag. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, tag whoop, team. There it is. And then they're in that fantastic ice that, cream commercial yes. like 20 years later, you know, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think about that stuff um, for for celebrities and uh, especially Catholic celebrities like Jonathan Rumi or Father Mike Schmitz, for example. Like he's in everything. Um, Bishop Barron, all, all these people that I'm like, oh Lord, please protect. I like pray for these people. I'm like, but <laughs> they, they don't just get too high on their own, right? Uh, on what it is because that the world has been offered to them. They're in the temptations of Christ in the desert, right? The world has basically been offered to them. Yeah, now you're a big shot, and then. I are you going to treat people the way you used to? Exactly. Or are you going to treat them like crap because you're now Father Mike Schmidt and everybody loves you? Right. And he, he's begged several times to come on this podcast, but I keep telling him no. I don't want him to – I don't want to inflate I don't want to – yeah, because we're doing this for you, we're doing Father, this for Mike you Schmidt, Father Mike Schmidt. Unless, you li- unless you're listening to this right now and you want to be on our show. In which case, come on our show. And then you can be um, on the show. You don't even have to really be – you just do the thing where you're like, hi, I'm Father Mike Schmidt, and you're listening to Among Wolves. Oh, absolutely. Wouldn't that be great to just have that tag? I would play that at every episode. <laughs> well, we'll have to, we could probably get something at the dialysis conference. <laughs> we'll get GLT to do it. There you go. That would be great. Um, oh, you know who we might be able to get? Oh, Bishop-elect. Auxiliary Bishop-elect Gregory Gordon. Oh, yeah. Oh. This is this is post – this is – Yeah. You guys haven't heard that. Well, everybody's listening probably has, but we haven't talked about it. Good old Father Greg, soon mon- then later Monsignor Greg, then Bishop Elect Auxiliary Miss Auxiliary Bishop Elect of the Diocese <laughs> of Las Vegas is Greg Gordon. How yep. cool is that? That's very cool because he's he's what he's the founding pastor of St. Francis of Assisi. So yeah. we're all really excited about he had that. all those. Yeah, I, yeah, he had all those years at. Uh, St. Christopher's before that, and mm-hmm. then I think he was at St. Francis maybe or something. Or the sales was he there? Uh, I don't remember. I, don't I lost track of his career. Yeah, but way back in the day, he used to do stuff because he knew Grandma. He went on like early searches and stuff. Oh, did he really? Yeah, because like Rick and uh, Tammy used to go on, uh, like you know, when they were young. Yeah, <laughs> I love were, him when they were search age to do it, you know, or something. So they were like doing that stuff. So you know, there was like pictures of him like in my grandma's stuff. So I'm like, oh man, that's so cool. And he used to do you know that kind of stuff. So and and Anthony used to say Anthony Anthony. That's Anthony Anthony. Real yeah, quick, Anthony, you know your name. <laughs> Is now Anthony Anthony. <laughs> yeah, because you should, you didn't show up at a cigar night where we were wondering what your middle name might be. Yeah. And then so, there's Luigi, Luigi Anthony. Anthony. <laughs> That's your brother. <laughs> Shout out Luigi. But but yeah, Anthony always said that yeah. Father Greg's going to be the first uh, American pope. Yeah. Well, it, it was really interesting because I actually wondered and because I I had known Monsignor for a little bit before, whenever Bishop Pepe had retired, and I it, I actually it was a thought that crossed through my head whether or not Pope Francis would actually name him as the bishop of of the diocese. But then I was like, no, that's probably a bad move because we are very broken and we have a lot of issues and we're young diocese. We need an experienced bishop. And so I was I was, I was very pleased to to have um, Bishop Thomas come to the diocese. And he's he's great. I was really surprised that we got named an auxiliary bishop. Yeah, um, I didn't know we were big enough. I know, right? I was like, um, I, a we're super young. We're the second youngest diocese in the United States, uh, and B, like we're only thirty eight parishes. Like, I guess population wise, we do have a lot of people. We have a lot of people because you got to think of this too. Because now I'm going to use that thing where you use um, 
statistics that yeah. are wrong right. or, or misleading. Right. It's like, but look at these places have so many more parishes. But if you count the amount of people, it's like half as many because you look at older, older regions of the country. Mm-hmm. Like, like, look at like uh, Rochester with Lisa's right. neighborhood. You know, well, Rochester, the city itself was probably really big and thriving in like World War II era. And sh- kind of shrank after that and then when kodak goes out of business well not all the way but you know pretty much you don't make film anymore and then kodak's there gone and then this town gets smaller and smaller so then the population gets smaller and smaller because the jobs get smaller and smaller and now when you used to have 50 churches and stuff and then you start closing like two or three parishes to have one parish yeah you know and then or you have all these small parishes or something like that we're out here we have Oh, it's my dream to work we, at a small parish, by the way. I, I would love to work at a parish. As you work at, like, one of the biggest parishes in town. <laughs> but but, it, but we I'll have, look, like, mega churches almost. We do have mega churches. Because, we're, we're unique. Well, that was the thing, too, because I remember when St. Elizabeth's was just huge because there was no St. Right. Anthony's. And I just pretty much was like, okay, think about it. You got John Newman's way over there. and the next one, St. Uh, Joe's. Yeah, but that's even farther south, too. So you have nothing Nothing north. And they're not that far north. It's more centralized because they're off the night the well summerland parkway is roughly where 95 is so they're you know south of lake mead right. and there was nothing in the west northwest and there's just building houses and building right. houses so summerland all summerland so all yeah. but even past that all the way up to centennial true. all that stuff yeah. was still being built right so all of summerland would probably be okay but once you cross cheyenne that's the end of summerland so you're like up cheyenne Sorry, this is very Vegas-centric, yeah, but is. most of our fans are from <laughs> Vegas anyway. Fans, listeners. So you have all this room up there, so where are they going to go to? Well, they're going to go all the way down to St. Elizabeth. Plus, it was cool and new and fancy. So you're going to have that. And then finally, St. Anthony's came to take away a lot of that northern stuff, especially because we're even going farther north. Yeah. I mean, the the Mount Charleston cutoff used to just be this weird exit, like, out of town. I now know. there is town. I know. Like, it has a real freeway it's so weird. exit. It's yeah. so crazy. So... You know, so you have these churches because we can't build churches as fast as we have people. And now the city's even getting more and more people right. in. So statistically, when California sucks so much. So they're leaving like in droves. Well, so statistically, I guess like we have around 600,000 Catholics in this diocese. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, he's finishing in the wine. That's why I said the Yeah, go ahead. My people. Yeah, see, I wouldn't have even said that because oh, <laughs> I guess I don't know. It's all right. Don't worry. I could, I we're new added. to this podcast. Yeah, we are. We don't know what we're doing. But I guess there's 600,000 statistically Catholics here. Um, how many of those are registered and practicing at parishes? I have no idea. But well, there have to be some. There have to be something for right. them to have the numbers. Now, I think that the I, I think that number comes from um, uh, comes from censuses. The uh, um, the ten year census. What, what am I, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Census. It's just census, right? I yeah. Like a, we didn't really have a census last year either. Yeah, that's weird, huh? We should. How have are we going to do that? Yeah, it's a 2020. It was supposed to be a census, but there was COVID. But just didn't have, like, I don't. Could people not fill out a piece of paper? And I don't know, but I didn't get a paper. <laughs> I didn't, and I, didn't get get a guy, I didn't have to go all the way to Bethlehem where I was born, or <laughs> I didn't have to go back to Glendale and sign up for my <laughs> census. But right. I remember in 2010, the guy came to my door. The lady did so. You know, I filled out all the stuff. Yeah. Well, anyway, going back to all that stuff. Okay. So you're worried Father Greg is, or Monsignor elect Bishop Auxiliary <laughs> Gordon <laughs> is going to be like, I'm too cool now. Right. Well, yeah, <laughs> just the, like Father Mike no, Schmidt. <laughs> no, I don't think, like, Bishop, uh, uh, Bishop elect, Auxiliary Bishop elect Monsignor Gordon 
actually, like, you don't say Monsignor anymore, do you? You say Auxiliary Bishop Elect Greg Gordon. Um, he's he's a really holy guy, um, and I love him. But I do worry that like, are we gonna burn him out? Like like because we're really good at in this in this as as human nature. Like we're really good at taking somebody who's really good at something, and just burning them into the ground. Right? Mm-hmm. Like. Like I can feel myself doing that very easily in ministry. Uh, you know, I'm I'm good at I'm good at a pie. Shannon I'm, is leaving. Shannon's leaving. So she will not pie. be on air because she doesn't she, want to. She doesn't want to talk to, about sex with us. So yeah, see now she's telling people that we're leaving. I know we're telling you that she's leaving. Yeah, but that's like. Um, Wait, are you saying that you can see yourself burning people out or being burnt out by other people? No, no. Like, uh, I've had experience where I'm like, it's very easy to, for me to say, like, oh, people, I'm, I say yes too much, right? So it's very easy to be like, okay, I'm going to let people burn me out because I'm an idiot and I don't know how to say no to stuff. And I'm going to be that guy who is was in absolutely everything and everybody's sick of, right? It's like, I'm, I'm going to be that guy where I lived long enough to see myself become the villain. Right. I don't know if I like that saying the villain or you just saying, you know, no, not necessarily. I know you're just using the quote, but right. it's just like, it's not necessarily the villain, but it's, it's, there is a contempt. Familiarity breeds contempt. Like, Boy, I'm sick of hearing about Paris Hilton all the time. Yes. No, but that, but it's, it's a thing. <laughs> it's true. It, it's, it's, it, and it's even like, even with father Mike Schmitz and like people will talk trash because he's in absolutely everything. Um, yeah, because they're just tired of it. They're just, they're just. I mean, sick. I'm that way too. I'm a hater on things. So if everybody likes something, I'm like, because we're we're hipsters and we 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 run against the grain mainstream. Yeah, I'm very hipster for a guy who hates hipsters. I know it's so. Funny. I so hate hipsters. <laughs> and then they're like, "Oh, that's funny because you're wearing Converse." Yeah, but I was wearing Converse before, before it was, was cool. cool, and I was like, "Ah." <laughs> Yeah, I know it's 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 Which a problem. Which is funny because I don't think they've ever not been cool. But yeah, but I've been wearing them since like '92. So I mean, yeah. So, but but anyway, this is stuff that I, that I think about and that I worry about. Like, I mean, do you have experience in this where like either you've been uh, the person that everybody ran to for like were you before Google was a thing? You were yes. the, you were the hot commodity. <laughs> like I still use you as that commodity. Like I asked Joel. Joel asked me, like, how did how did Memorial Day become a holiday? I'm like, you know, I don't I don't know that off the top of my head, but I bet you who does? I bet you Neil knows that answer. <laughs> and he asked me right when I walked he in. He sure did ask you right when you walked in the door. But yeah, I was kind of that guy and Google kind of ruins it. And then and then the other thing too is because of things like Google, then my brain's not as sharp. Like I used to know my way around town very well. And people used to call me. They're like, hey, I'm I'm heading out of town and this road stopped or uh, Jen and Mike, when they used to call me, they would be like, hey, we're trying to go to that in and out on the way back from Disneyland. (laughs) It's on Valley View, off the five in, in Santa Fe Springs. You'll see the Northwoods in the big blog cabin with the with the with the fake snow on top. That's where it is. And that's, you know, but now it's like now it's like, oh, man, how did you get there again? And, it's like, your and then and then the problem too is then I will use the Google just to be like, well, what's traffic like now? Right, I do the same thing because like 
the problem is like uh, I do weekly or biweekly drives up to North Las Vegas and my office is like off a of sunset roughly in the 15 Valley View and sunset kind of. But I got to go up by the cannery or something. So it's a good 15 minute drive. It's not that far. And the freeway actually moves pretty quickly. But if I go and there's any accident, you can be stuck there forever. Yeah. Or if there's whatever, you know, just when they were tearing up the freeway big time and they were redoing that kind of thing oh my goodness it was it, it got real bad or when like they took sunset over by sunset park and it's down to two lanes and it would take you like 20 minutes to go a mile but then the problem is you couldn't go down russell or when warm springs any of the, the major streets for the last two miles north or south because they were all full too right so going across there's a lot of customers and a lot of commerce going down sunset so they're like it used to take 20 minutes to do it. Now it's going to take 45 minutes. Right. And, you know, so some, well, that was more of a permanent thing, but that doesn't work with this. But I'll punch <laughs> into Google sometimes. How long is it supposed to take me? 15 minutes? Great. That's usually what it takes. How long is it supposed to take me? 35 minutes? Oh, now I got to plan something different right. or whatever. But so like my skills are a little unsharp, but I used to keep, I used to know my sports trivia real well that I would do things mm -hmm. like I'd write out and I'd be like, look, see, this was what happened. The AFC championship in 1995 was San Diego in Pittsburgh. And like, I know. You and they'd be like, well, that one I know. But, and then they'd be like, are you sure? Wasn't it 1996? And I'm like, no, no, no. 1996 was different. That was, that was Pittsburgh and Indianapolis. And that's when they had the Hail Mary at the end. Here, let me write down every AFC championship in the nineties. And at work when I, to work at Trader Joe's, I'd like cut out the little piece of cardboard and write them all down. And I'm like, see, there they all are. That should prove that I know that it's 1995. <laughs> but then what I ended up doing is I had an almanac at, you know, I used to buy an almanac every year. And then what I did is I kept it in the drawer. So pretty much what I would do is I'd use that as reference to show that not to look it up, but more to prove that I was right. right. Like, no, it was this. And then I go and get it, and I go, see, here it is. I was right. So you were the Vin Diesel of the 90s. <laughs> kind of, or early 2000s. Early but 2000s. Used, people used to call me up and be like, what's this movie? Yes. <clears throat> Who was that guy in the thing? And now you could just go online. Right. And so that just kind of bugs me because then now, like you're saying, now my use is kind of used up. But I'm still you know, there, but the, now you don't have the arguments like you used to or whatnot. Right. And, that's, uh, and in the culture in which we live, which is super utilitarian, like we live in this culture, like if you don't provide a particular use, then then you actually don't belong in the culture, right? That's well, I could see that. Yeah, uh, that's that's why. Like that's why I'm useful. Yeah, but that, uh, that's why I make myself useful. Like you're you're sure as hell. Like whenever COVID happened, you know what I'm gonna learn? I know jack about live streaming and OBS and and uh, Streamlabs and all that stuff. But you know what I'm gonna learn? All those things to make myself very useful, so that way I have a job. But, <laughs> um, but we do have that that cultural stigma of that if you aren't producing something of value to the culture or to the country as a whole, typically ep economically, yeah. um, then you are of no value, right? Um, but even. And if you don't look at it that, I, I think I know where you're going to, but it's like there are people who produce things that are worthwhile, but it's not economical or something. Right. So, but then there's so many people that are actually not providing, like, I mean, at least like if you're, let's say oh, a holy person or somebody who's giving, you know, nice things or the smiles to people right. or the littlest thing, you know, they're still contributing or something. But, but if, I think of somebody like Isaac, 
my my middle son who has autism can't speak and literally can't contribute to anything in fact uh like he um i guess if you wanted to use him as contributing in uh, an economical sense uh people have jobs because he needs therapy right, right. but he's going to age out of that in fact there's there's uh, there uh, i don't know if anybody knows this kind of stuff but like services for um people with with autism they end at 18 like once he's an adult there's really nothing nothing for him right um which is terrible like there there's there's a handful of organizations spurs throughout the country but there's no money in these organizations right uh, and there's like like uh, mark rober uh, who's a youtuber or whatever they were they raised three million dollars to to specifically for helping adult autistic yes yes yeah uh, uh, autistic adults getting integrated or help or therapy i know they have things like lisa's cousins have it and they're lower functional too right but they'll they you know there's like a service where they do jobs and help out with like meals and wheels or something right and i know that there's something like that but the problem is is isaac as a person like i don't i don't know maybe maybe at some point if he can grasp the language uh, he might be able to have a job or something like that but um as it sits like if, if he were to to stay the same right now as he is right now whenever he's 45 years old like he's not contributing he's not contributing he's just taking right but i Oh, keep going. And and my whole thing is, my whole thing is, there's still value in it. And there's something broken in our culture where whenever somebody does contribute something of value, we milk it. We grab it like they are the freaking golden goose. They're going to solve all the problems of Catholicism. Somehow, Jonathan Rumi is going to solve all of the problems in Catholicism, and people are going to flock into the churches. What do you feel so like? We got to have him. We got to have him uh, uh, promoting our stuff. So when they flock oh. into the churches, yeah, he's not solving the problems of Catholicism. He's just used to increase what your thing is. In right. Catholic. So if we had him on our podcast, it will increase our listenership. Right. Right. Which is why I told Father Mike Schmitz he can't be on the show because we're waiting for Jonathan Romy. <laughs> exactly. We, we He's got a bu- commodity right now. Yeah. Ma- ma- you're yesterday's news, Father yeah, Mike Schmidt. Well, you're old news. It's, uh, yeah, well, but I mean, you know. We'll I have guess. our people talk to your people. Yeah, that's just me. <laughs> but no. Um, no, but I, and I understand that too, but I, and then I was thinking too, cause like, you know, I, there is the look down upon of the people who can't contribute, but I would not think that we'd put well, even most of the society would put like Isaac in one of those positions because of his situation. Right. He's Be- an extreme situation because of his, uh, because of his um, disability right but there are like the homeless population as another example you know like obviously now a lot of them have mental illnesses because of being on the streets or uh, no or the other way or around vice versa yeah, well right. i think it's more vice versa and yeah and that's the saying is and i understand that you would look at them as like pariahs pretty much or something like that and that's the situation and the problem is that we do not have facilities or something to handle the root cause of the homelessness because what i hate is i hate the fact that there's this stance of homeless of like all we need to do is get these little houses out there and everything will be solved because then they have places to live and 
most home, you know, they'll go like most homeless people are those people who just had a job and then they lost it. And now they're doing this. And it's not that's not most. Right. I mean, I do know there is the family. Well, I've, I've actually heard about this. You know, or we kind of ran into it with softball once or something. There's the family living in a van parked at Sunset Park once or something and, you know, lost their house or job or something. Now they're on hard times and they're homeless but that's a rarity you know you you can get if you get that person a a, a, a mailing address and a, a suit and tie that they can go on interviews for but it's like that's what you need is like a mailing addresses or something like that right. and then then i think nowadays you can just use cell uh, emails and cell phones so it might even be better but like you know and then you can get them a step up and then they can get back in the workforce and then be back to that because they're just on hard times but i think that's a very small percentage of our homeless population where we need like i'm not saying like insane asylums or anything but something of that we should put them all in a camp it'll be a- and, and um, it'll be a concentration of we this- concentrate all these people into these camps right, we didn't do this joke on this show no, yet. we didn't but hear me out if we put them in a camp for their own good for, all, for their protection and we herd them all up yeah. we can, in boxcars. We could categorize them in numbers. It would and be give them tattoos yeah, so that yeah. we know who's who. Exactly. We won't confuse anybody, and everybody will get taken care of. No. Yes. <laughs> but the homeless in camp, the, the encampments become camps. Yeah. No. But but the thing is too is these a lot of these people are either have mental instabilities or they have drug addiction problems. Right. And if we had facilities and stuff to do that, and I hate the fact that there's a lot of homeless advocates out there, but they don't care, but they're not doing anything for the root cause. And you're not, and what the, a lot of, a lot of advocates I think sometimes are just a bunch of band-aids. Right. Is they're just throwing out band-aids and they're just doing stuff. And then of course, you know, like, like guys like Jesse Jackson, if you want to end racism, then he'd be out of a job. So there's always going to be racism somewhere, you know? (laughs) Well, but yeah. but with homeless things like that is you need to you can't just sit there and say if we if it, the problem is affordable housing well it's not the only problem because these people are have problems that if you give them a house they are they'll right. still be shooting up in the house yeah or defecating there on the floor because they're so messed up so you need to either get them off the stuff you know through like um, rehab programs or the people with mental instability you can't just clean up like you do drug problems you have to actually have them into like some kind of facility that takes care of them right you know like you're saying about the services for isaac or something not to put them with this but you have if we had more services and the problem is services cost money and training and all that stuff right. and well that's a, that's what i think the problem is is like these services um for the most part what's its aim like it, it it's it feeds back into that idea that if you're not producing something for of value to the to the whole then you're not of value um, well, it would technically because if it's, if you mean the services themselves would be producing, see they they won't look at it at the bottom right. line, but you have to see stuff that's off the paper or off the books. We're spending money like this because this will then help the community at large because we don't have weird encampments built under underpasses by these people that they're actually being taken care of. If they have the drug issues, they're being taken care of to get rid of those things to put them back into society. Or if it's the people with mental instability that they're, in a sense, in a home being protected. But that will then, in a sense, make your street safer and your businesses livelier and your city better. Well, the problem is is that, that they had to go to the home in the first place because they were dejected because of the the 
What, like the family structure is not there for them? The ultimate problem of that, this person can't be productive, so therefore they got discarded. And so there needs to be a charitable organization to pick up the pieces. You see, because... Because this is the opposite extreme of like the person who is super useful, and so we burn the crap out of them, to the other end of the spectrum where the person is... Not useful at all, so we throw them out. So we throw them out, and somebody has to pick up the pieces. The um, super productive person. The, the, apparently, right? The person who's going to create... The, the Mark Rober, who's going to create the, the, the nonprofit organization in order to help adults who fell out of the system who have autism, right? Um, and that, to me, there is something fundamentally wrong with the idea that, A, I mean, obviously there's it's sin because we are, we're sinful people, but the idea that um, we can't, like, if we're not producing something of, of value, then we have no value. And so we, we just get discarded, we fall out of the system, and some charitable organization has to pick us up, right? Um, there's something broken with that, and I don't... Uh, well, how are you staying in the system if you're if you're technically broken? Like Isaac, for, for well, an, an Isaac not. example? Isaac's the easiest example. Okay, let's use an Isaac example. See, the thing is, unless you have a family... See, like, you've got to look at it with the family dynamic, and that's going to be the way to solve all the... Well, most of these problems. Right. And you have a good family dynamic. And hopefully Joel and Gemma are good, awesome people when they grow up because they're the ones who are going to have to take care of Dee Dee for the rest of their life or his life or their lives. Right. You know, that's the deal. And and that's the thing because you're going to die and someone's going to have to take care of him or right. else he's going to have to be a ward of the state. Like that's what I was saying is something like with Lisa's cousins because I guess one of them is – I don't know, low enough on the spectrum that he qualifies to be in a group home. But the other one is not low enough. He's too high on the spectrum to be on the group home. But this person, but he can't be by himself in the house, you know. Interesting. He's, yeah, so he's good. He, he He's really, it's really funny too because he's one of those people who you'd have make cookies for you because he could do it awesome, but you'd be worried that he wouldn't turn off the the, the gas okay. or something gotcha. or whatnot, but you, he He'll can't live on, down yeah, on he can't live on his own. Right. But so then in a sense, he would be the family's thing and his mom's not going to live forever. So then his other brother will have to take care of him. And will that happen? That's the question. Well, but, hopefully if not, then he's going to have to live with me because Lisa's the one who's going to take him. And that's a sign of that's a, that's where sacrificial love comes into place. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's where those beautiful things happen. Those those things that you're like, this is what humanity is about, that this person is of no objective use, quote unquote, to to the society. Right. He's not going to produce something good. You know, he's not going to contribute economically. And yet he has value as a person. Oh, yeah, because every you know, the way we teach is everybody oh, absolutely. Has to have value. But that's not the way that the that that we're working in society. Well, no, we're 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 swinging crazily from like those who have massive productive value. We're going to juice them for everything they're worth until they go insane to those who have no production value that we're going to that we're going to deject them and some charitable organization will solve that but then problem. the practice, but then who who's supposed to take up but see the thing is it has to be some charitable organization or some funded organization unless you have a strong family structure or, and then sometimes the family structures just run out because yeah, it's like because if i have die. somebody well there's that you know people <laughs> are going to die son of a gun sorry the 
Knights loss. You can well, put that on there, but they sorry. lost in overtime. Yeah. Damn. They'll, they'll already have known that. Yeah, but it's just, <laughs> just bugs me. Yeah. We're podcasting during playoffs. Uh, that's how much I love the Wolves. Or not the Wolves, the I'm flock. The, <laughs> the flock. I love my my sheep. Yeah. Oh, no, that makes them sound like they're sheep. No, we, are, we are sheep. <laughs> we are sheep, we are sheep together. sheep. So. No, but okay, but I mean, you. I understand what you're kind of saying, but I'm just also putting into like also the realistic terms. So if I have somebody with such mental illness and stuff, there's only so much the family can do too. And then there's a lot of non-good families, or there's families that aren't there or whatnot, right. or like but you're saying, people die, and then it has problem. to go somewhere. So either society itself takes care of it, but I really doubt there's strangers. People are going to take strangers off the street and put them in their houses. It's not the way it kind of works anymore. I mean, there are people like that, but, but I know there's not I, many. I wanted. Right. Right. You know? And that's that's fundamentally my problem is that we have latched on to this, this society as being a utilitarian society. And we've decided that that's the most functional society for us as Americans. And I don't think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think... I think you're playing slippery slope too sometimes because I think if you're talking like that, because I also was going to point out like, you know, you're using DD, you're losing Isaac as an example, right? but he has a disability, which makes it so he's not really contributing, right? He's only the taking, but then we have so many examples of there's so many non-disabled people who are only doing the taking and right. And let's say if Joel, not saying Joel, but if he was well, He's totally able person if he was well, 22. Right. Let's make up a and uh, contributing less than Didi is in right. society. I would then look down upon him at, opposed to just not the fact that, oh, you're not one of the top contributors. Not only are you not contributing, but you're. You're sucking. sucking. It's a, right. we're let's take. Let's call this person Chad. Chad, right? Let's so, call this person Aaron Sanchez. And <laughs> I was going to use that exact example, but call him Chad. <laughs> Sorry, Aaron. It's too easy. You're so funny. You do contribute smallly, but you still contribute. Right. No, but like we're all on a boat. Right. We're all on a boat. We're all rowing. And you're saying some of us are stud rowers. We used to row. We used to be part of the crew team at Princeton, but. We're all rowing. And then there's a lot of people who are sitting there with their feet up and they're not touching the oar. Then there's other people who are who literally can't. sit there. Okay, well, there, there are they people no with arms. no arms. There you go. And you know what? Some of us have to row harder for the people with no arms. But there's some people with not only arms, legs, and they're actually good rowers who aren't rowing. Right. They're just sitting there. And then there's other people who are not only not rowing, but they're throwing the anchor off the side or they're trying to water ski, slowing down the boat itself. <laughs> so then we have to row harder, not just from the lack of their rowing, right. but the fact that they're making the boat have more drag. I see. I, that's a great analogy. And that is how society works. And I think the problem is, and I've seen it now, like you're talking about in COVID. In COVID, I've seen the some people be the rate. best of the there you go right. the best of the best what happened you just said i learned how to live stream Crap. now i'm more <laughs> yeah, I useful i used it for my job <laughs> blah 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 the best example i have and i'm going to give him a shout out is alex fontilla and you haven't met him yet though have you i know alex oh you do yeah. i know you know of him oh no i've met him on several several okay, occasions okay good yeah okay but lisa's thing is alex won covid because he took every little thing that sucked and made it better. Oh, good for him. So, I didn't know that. in a sense, yeah. Well, this is what. It, well, at least this is what Facebook tells me. But, <laughs> but what I do know is he was doing um, um, union work for conventions. You know, when they set up the conventions, take down the stages, uh-huh. put up the booths, all that kind of stuff. Well, no conventions, right? 
No work. All those guys are out of business. I know a lot of guys went and tried to find jobs at other things. Well, he's got a handful of kids. All his kids have to do school at home now. So other friends have kids that need to do school because I guess they have jobs. So his wife's got a job. He Other people have jobs. So he's there being Mr. Mom slash daycare provider slash teaching school observer. So he's got the three kids at school, other kids at school. He's got the little setups. He's, got, he's like, here's the debt, here, like your kitchen where you got the counter and stuff. He's got like three laptops there. He's got the other <laughs> one over there, and he's got something for the little guy who's about Robert's age playing in the corner. But, he's, but then what's funny is he does things online. He's like showing like, here's my tips. This is how I cut up the vegetables because kids are going to get hungry and stuff. It's like, it's like a TV show. He just took Facebook <laughs> Live. And this, this is awesome. And he's showing you like his things because he's run this thing down because he's not working, so he's going to provide something. He's probably getting something out of taking care of the other kids, but his kids need somebody to watch them, so he made the best of that. Well, then, guess what? He's going to have to need money sooner or later. And he went and got his real estate license. Then he's selling out. Then he's out there being a realtor. And then he sold a house or bought a house, whichever, however it works when you still get paid for it. But boom. And it happened within a month or something. So he's doing a good job. And he's always out there kind of hustling it. But I mean, he could have just sat there and collecting unemployment or doing whatever. Because I feel like that's the problem right now. Too many people are collecting unemployment. Right. It's very lucrative. At at some point it was. Yeah. Well, I understand. And I can't can't fault some people when they're throwing $2,400 on top of what you're already making. Because I would have been like, hey, can I just take a month off of work just to do this? Right. But. You know, because a lot of people lose their jobs and had nothing and stuff and or whatnot. So we were just throwing unemployment at them. And then the problem is now we have a lot of people that need work and no one's going to it. And I know there's the argument that, you know, I've got Facebook friends who lean a little bit to the left. So, of course, what they're going to do is they're going out and saying, oh, well, of course, nobody's coming back to your crappy job where you're only giving them seven dollars an hour and no benefits. You have fifteen dollars an hour and all full benefits. That's the thing. Right. Because that's the idea is it's seven dollars an hour, no benefits. Well, who wants to work at your crappy job? Right. And then the. Like you said, I've seen so many of these things that they're like, we're paying you way more. Like I told you over the summer, like we talked about it the other night, was one of these businesses that I deal with, they are building crates to ship stuff in. Right. And they're just hammering wood together for $15 an hour. And I bet you they would have paid you like $8 a while ago or something. Well, probably more than that, but not a lot. You know, maybe it was 10 But now but here nobody it is, wants it. $15 an hour, and we couldn't get anybody to do it for $15 an hour right. to just hammer in wood. Right, because you know? now it's become more lucrative to stay at home. Yes, and that's the other thing. And then, you know, and then there's uh, like the buses. My aunt's trying to get people. She works for the RTD or whatever, and they, they're trying to hire bus drivers, and they're going to pay for your Class A license and help train you. And then there's restaurants that are like, we will pay for XYZ, and we're going to give you $20 an hour because we need people to work here because now we have business because everything's all of a sudden open, but nobody's working. Yeah. And it's not just slave driving things. And there's even – what's it called? I was An example I had was there was – um. Three years ago, one of the companies I work or I sell to, they had uh, and they needed a delivery driver, and they had thirty applicants apply for a delivery driver position because there was people who needed to work. And then this time, they needed a delivery driver, and there were three applicants who applied. Of course, yeah. And none of them showed up to the first interview. Of course, all three of them wow. did not. And they got a replace. They got a driver to replace the guy who's leaving. He's going to Brazil or moving back for a while. I think it's visa issues. But so he's going back to Brazil. But his friend, I guess, needed a job. 
So he became the driver. So the only reason they had a driver was because the old driver had a friend Personal who could referral. be a driver. <laughs> now guess what? That guy got his old job back, so he's going back to that because it's a better job. But now they're out of driver. But what's funny is the guy who's not going to be there anymore is going back to work. So you got a guy who's contributing and working as a driver. Now is leaving you because he's going to contribute to do something more lucrative to him. But you got all these people who are not contributing. Right. But isn't isn't that in and of itself the natural consequence of a highly utilitarian culture? Because that's that's the backlash is well, is like if if. If I'm only value to you, if, if I'm only value to valuable to you as a tool, then in my resentment of you, I'm going to milk you for everything that I can without letting you use me. I can see that, right? And uh, but we also have to be a non-utilitarian culture at the same time by saying, "Hey, don't worry." Oh no, I don't think that. No, because um, we're giving them all the money. No, that's a terrible idea. I think that's a terrible idea. Well, uh, it's still that's what's there. Right. So in a sense, they're saying I'm going to milk what I can and not work. Because even if you're making, if you can get a job where you get a thousand dollars a week, but you are getting eight hundred dollars a week not working. Yes, it's more to work, but you're like, is that two hundred dollars worth actually putting on pants? No, I don't think so. <laughs> You know, so it's back to the Viking boat. Can I get the $200 without putting on the pants? <laughs> well, there's that too. But so we're back on. You probably the... get $800 for not putting on the pants. <laughs> well, that's what that's I'm saying. That's a different job. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, then you get paid more. That's what I say, $800. There's the sign, there was a sign I saw, the, the little darling sign off the freeway says stripping is pays more than unemployment. So I guess they're, now that they've opened up strip clubs again, they're like, hey, we need people to work oh, here too. Oh, yeah. Oh my goodness! Wow, if you yeah. if you if you're good at stripping, I guess you paid more. So yeah, that's... you got to be. It even also said, "Hey, we're desperate. We're even hiring ugly girls now." <laughs> oh, that's terrible. <laughs> They're so funny. But yeah. back to the thing: if you're going back to your rowing thing, right? You got the people who are not rowing, but now not only are you and I having to row harder, but yet now the government has robots rowing, rowing for above. them. So now there's like, well, why do I need to help you row if the robots are there rowing? For for us. But here, here, my question is then, why is the boat rowing at all? What's the destination? Right? Because... To the undying lands. I know. Right, there's, a, there's a really stupid TikTok, but it's it's fantastic. Uh, Gerald showed me, so shout out to Gerald. But it's yeah, this, that means it's a stupid TikTok. Oh, it's fantastic. Stupid it's animal. this person. I'm really into these comedians where um, they are having conversations basically with themselves, but each... each Angle oh. is themselves, but it's a different character. Like, like your pitch ever, meeting guy? Like pitch meetings or um, Call Me Chris is another one. And I don't know the name of the TikTok that he showed me. But in this, um, she is the gods, essentially, right? And they're creating Earth. And they're like, okay, so the Earth, you know, it's going to rain and vegetation's going to grow and this kind of stuff. And and she's like, oh, okay. So, but, and like, and, and then you'll have these people and like, what are they going to do? Well, they're going to have jobs. Like, they're going to, they're going to make things grow. And he's like, but is, isn't it growing out of the ground already? Yeah, but they're going to do it so that way more stuff grows. Like, and then they're going to charge other people, but it's growing out of the ground for free. It's just happening, you know? And then she's like, yeah, but the, these guys are going to do it and, and, and maximize that in order to get money. You'd be like, but why? What's money? You know, and it's it's just a great conversation to make you think. Like, why is it that utilit we picked utilitarianism? Uh, who was it? Churchill was it? Churchill who said like, um, 
capitalism is the worst uh, form of economy that I've ever seen, but it's also the best that, or the only thing that's working, or uh, it's also the best that I've ever seen, or or some some crap like something something super contradictory something, like yeah, that. Something to say it's it's so terrible, but it's better than everything else. Exactly <laughs> right, and I'm like, is it is it really? It, it, yes. Is, yeah, I know, right? Sorry. <laughs> but because the boat rolling analogy is a fantastic analogy if there's a destination, if they're actually going somewhere. But if you're Sisyphus and you're just rowing the boat unendingly, Forever. then what is the point? I can see that. But I think that, yeah, I, I, I understand what you're saying because I think it's just to keep rowing. Right. Because if you stop rowing, then you sink. Yeah. You know. But do you? Well, I, this and in the current yeah. world and economy, we might. The way right? it is, yeah, because it's not like we can all break <laughs> off. To... We might become Russian or something. Like... <laughs> but I mean, that's the thing too. I mean, like you're right. If if it is the fact that we all have our own little tomato gardens in the back, like you, right. and we all survive that way because we built a house with our own bare hands and we keep it lit with the firewood that we buy. Totally lit. <laughs> so lit. <laughs> of course, what I remember lit was different. Yeah. But. You with the firewood that we chop down ourselves and heat up ourselves and we hunt our own animals and we grow our own food and that's how it worked. But you know we can't do all. I mean, people. Well, we can, but right. and then we can't do it everywhere. So that's why we've also moved into places that don't exist. You know that didn't allow people. You know they were unsuitable for people. Like the Southwest became populated immensely because they invented air conditioning. Yeah. You know. So if you look at populations of like. Nevada and Arizona and like parts of Texas, you know, where nobody lived there and then they had air conditioning and now there's a reason to live there. Right. Because you couldn't survive before. But now or, you can. We adapted. Yes, we adapted. We made it to adapt. But right. the thing is, there's somebody who makes destiny. who makes that air conditioners. Right. And that's the deal. So the idea is I can't grow tomatoes and you can. So what's it worth you to get the tomatoes and at one point I cut down the trees so I gave you the firewood right. that we you traded. needed and we traded and now the fact is there's more people who can do that but I don't need any more tomatoes so I need something else so that's how you get your monies and but, stuff but the problem was is that we went and we took that person that, that is good at making tomatoes and we're like I need you to make 18,000 tomatoes, not 800, right? We squeeze them for everything that they're worth, and they're like, oh, you're going to throw this much money at me. Bring it on. I'll, I will figure out uh, – I will I will chemically figure out a way to make these tomatoes bigger. Well, it could <laughs> – You know? And, and, and Or that's, it's the other way around where it's the fact that you're like, hey, people should buy a lot of tomatoes, and I run out of tomatoes. Now I need to, in a sense, grow more tomatoes or before you even do your chemical making bigger tomatoes. But it's like now I'm going to – make my little tomato garden into three times the size and now I'm going to get rid of my pool and make a tomato plant or farm because right. then I'm going to sell more tomatoes because I realize I'm good at selling tomatoes and I can make more money selling more tomatoes like an entrepreneur kind of thing which I think is fantastic actually but my problem with that is you're saying is it's bad that society is saying hey tomato guy get us more tomatoes we want tomatoes until we're sick of tomatoes right because what ends up happening and now it's cucumbers so we're going to think that guy's cool well, yeah but what the problem is, is see like, you later Andrew McCarthy you're this not cool anymore this person was really great at making tomatoes, and so we milked him for everything that he's worth, and we made him made 18,000 tomatoes whenever he was producing 800 tomatoes. But the guy just three streets up the way was making 500 tomatoes. You know, he wasn't he wasn't making producing as much as the other guy, but we completely ignored this guy 
because he wasn't the superstar. He wasn't the guy that we could milk and make make him make eighteen thousand tomatoes, right? We turned this this eight hundred tomato guy into Walmart, and we ignored the mom and pop shop. And I actually see a shift in society where we're going to move more to that mom-and-pop shop stuff. And that's why I'm like, I think it's great that we have a little tomato garden out here. Um, you, you mentioned the swimming pool thing. You got rid of the swimming pool. I actually think that that's a great idea, too, because I, I don't understand why every house in a neighborhood would need a swimming pool. That seems silly to me because there's if if my neighbor has a swimming pool why can't or if i have a neighbor if i have a swimming pool why can't my why can't i invite my neighbor to come to my swimming pool why does my neighbor have to go and get his own swimming pool cuz i don't want my neighbor over there every day <laughs> right that's that and i also feel weird i don't like swimming with a bunch of people <laughs> Well, that's, that's I have a community swimming pool. I love going over here. We, then had, when more people get there, you're like, eh, I think we here. actually had an episode they're called, my thing. They're called my Share thing. the Frickin' Lawnmower. Didn't yes, we it, have, is. Yeah, we, it was Share called, the Lawnmower. Yeah, it's the same concept. And and I think I think we're moving more towards a society like yeah, that. Yeah, we'd be in a commune, and then when they hand out the Kool-Aid. <laughs> Not communal ish, but I think that's I think that's going too far. There was a um, there was an artist, I think his name's Derek Webb, um, who he's a musician, but he's not famous, right? But, See, that's the guy with five tomatoes. Oh, that's what I like. But because he he had this line, he says, you know what? I want to focus in on my art and I want to do something of value. Uh, but in order to do that, what I figured out is like I need to have like a thousand true fans, like people that actually care about the art that it's not going to make me famous. It's not going to make me rich, but I can produce this good without them saying like, oh, I need you to produce. I, I need you to to bend to the will of this organization or to the masses. Oh, So if he has a thousand fans, he has enough. Or you mean like thousand fans that are paying? Yeah, like so that are buying I his material. I have enough money to have the means to make better material. I.e., I buy guitar strings that don't break. Yeah, and stuff like that. And I can actually make enough money to quit my job to focus on my material. But I don't need to make millions of dollars and sell out arenas and have to be under the record labels. Thumb, which they're probably not under anyway. Record labels, right? Exactly. Now it's now, now but it's that, all iTunes. Exactly. So, but but I think Spotify that's that. I think that's that that beautiful middle ground that that is difficult for us to to reach because we have those those two extremes of like I'm gonna I'm gonna milk this for everything that it's got because I don't want to do stuff versus oh this person can make 800 freaking tomatoes let's make them make 18,000 tomatoes because they're so good at it right mm. let's milk them for everything that they're worth until they produce only crappy tomatoes which you know what what wasn't that isn't that the story of the banana or whatever like like what that we overmade it so they're not as good that we don't actually produce organic you can't buy organic bananas like bananas can only be chemically grown now or something crappy like that like, no, they have organic bananas. All right, all right. Or at least they know. did when I, I worked in a grocery store. Yeah, I heard some. Uh, it's probably a prof- apocryphal story, but it, it it tells it tells a good point of like this idea that um, we can't use something that's real anymore. That everything's all fake now. Right, and the idea was that, but the banana you've never tasted a real banana. You've only tasted a chemically grown banana. Oh, I think I heard something like that too. Right. The idea that, um, and I don't know if it's true or not. Like, I don't know. I know. Jack oh about no, no, bananas. no! I don't think it's that. I think I think I know what you're talking about. It's not the fact that it was uh, not organic. It was the fact that we took something and planted a banana with another seed and or crossed something. the banana or something crap like that. Yeah, in order something to produce, like that. In order to have a tree that produces. 18,000 bananas or something. Yes, that it was more (laughs) genetic, not like genetic splicing kind of thing. It was more like the KFC chicken that was never alive. 
Yes, without well, yeah, that was just growing those. But instead, right. it would be like uh, mixing a chicken and a turkey, so they were bigger chickens. <laughs> bigger chicken, maybe. That's so you never happened. had a smaller chicken because <laughs> they don't exist anymore because we've only made chicken. It's like when South Park wanted to make pot belly elephants. I don't remember that episode. Oh, it was one of the early ones. And yeah. the idea is they wanted to make an elephant that was small enough to be like a pot belly pig that's, because it'd be hilarious. cute. Yeah. And then there was like this Dr. Monroe character, Moreau character who was going to genetically splice it. And then chef says, nah, that's not how you do it. the way you do it is the old fashioned way. You have an elephant and a pig and they, you know, they take care <laughs> of business. <laughs> and that was supposed to be the idea. Right. And, but the idea is if it's like, it's like if you made mules, cause mules are donkeys and horses or right. whatever, is that it? Yeah. Put together. But if you did it so much that there's no such thing as donkeys anymore, there's right. only mules. The only mules. That's a banana. Yes. I think that's the You've story. You've never tasted a real donkey. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> donkey. <laughs> donkey meat. Donkey. Donkey meat. Donkey. <laughs> <laughs> On a side note. Yeah. That's that's My, interesting to think about. Like, um, yeah, because yeah, I mean, I understand, and we are that way. It's like you get to that point, where, like you're the onceler and stuff, right? Where you're just chopping down trees. But then the thing too is what I've always loved about like cartoons and stuff like that is they just show you the the extreme evil. Yeah, like Fern Gully or something, where it's like cut down all the trees and la da. Like there was a show called The Raccoons in the '80s. I think we talked about it in the Christmas episode. But the problem with that one is the bad guy, and it was just sitting there cutting down all the trees in Canada and stuff. And he went over the quota and stuff. And it's like, well, isn't that just bad business? Because if you cut down all the trees, then you're not going to have lumber tomorrow, right? And so you got to plant more. Because that's the thing: lumber yards are going to plant more trees because. Because they're taking down trees. Right? And they, so they need, need to trees. Reproduce. They need trees later. It's right. not like, hey, we only need this many trees and then no. we're good. They we need want a definite it. number of trees. Yes, exactly. So that's yeah. the thing. But when you watch things like that raccoon special and then the onceler, where it's like the onceler's like sitting there and he cuts down all the trees. To make his to make need. Those, is that what the sweaters are? The need. The, the need. <laughs> and then you make all those and now you have no more trees to make the need. Then now you're done. And then your business is done. Yeah. So it's like it's. That's exactly any, what happened. But most people who are evil billionaires are good at business, so they know right. that they can't do that. It's right. just, no, they got to reproduce yeah. what they're, so, what I they're mean, taking it's away. It's just a more, I don't want to say it's like, oh, that's what the hippies think, right. but it kind of is. Right. Because I know we do kind of use things up, but I mean, yeah. you can't just use up every tomato or else we, we, the tomato shops will no. close. Right. But did we, did we cause a problem by industrializing all of that to max production? Did we, did we Probably. cause a, Right. Do we see, because I see a potential shift towards that small neighborhood, mom and pop shop, um, thousand fan, you know, all I need is a thousand customers, you know, coming to my thing. I don't need... Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, yeah. And if anything, COVID kind of helped that because right. we, you know, we've learned Except for Amazon. Well, that's the other problem. <laughs> well, that was, a, you know, and that's the other thing that's funny about it. Cause a lot of the people, or a lot of the States and the people that are like, we need to lock everything down and you can't go out. Okay. Now all these businesses are dying. Bezos because, is like, yes. Yeah. So in a sense, the same people who wanted to lock everything up are the ones who hate Amazon and hate big business. But what you did is you killed all the little businesses businesses so all you did was make them stronger it's uh you were supposed to fight the sith not join them (laughs) you were the chosen one you were the chosen one it was said that you would destroy the sith not join them bring balance to the force not leave it in darkness
<laughs> but on on the flip side of that, there there was a lot of small good, business. Good. I know. Now strike me down and replace me. No, they were on, on replace me with, like, with Amazon Fresh, so they don't even have to go to grocery stores anymore. <laughs> I feel like that was always a weird uh, uh, twist with um, with Palpatine. Is like now strike me down. Strike me. Down. I think he knew he wasn't going to get struck down. Oh, okay. I think he knew that, that Vader was always going to do okay. it. Anyway. Your journey to the dark side will be complete. That's Unless he could literally put his soul into Luke like he said he's going to do to Rey. Right, yeah. That was, but that. I don't. I think that was just him just saying, if you get that angry and you can take out Vader, then I'm just going to have you there replace him. Because, because you're more powerful. Yeah, because then Luke begat Vader or vice versa, and he begat Tyrannus who begat. Yeah, that makes sense. Anyway, but that was goes a side to Darth Plagueis. That was a side story. But, but one thing that COVID did do was create new mom and pop shops. Um, great story of uh, a friend great of story. ours. Uh, yeah, a friend of ours who um, her husband worked at a sushi restaurant, and obviously when COVID hit, that sushi sushi restaurant closed because restaurants closed. Right, and it wasn't some massive chain where like, oh, you know, we'll, yeah, we're just going to furlough you. No, they closed. Right, you know, you're not coming back to this job. And so he Did has, they shut down forever. Yeah, oh. he had a skill. Like he's a he's a sushi chef. That's okay. a legit skill. He knows how Better to make his craft right yes and so he through just straight through instagram and through friends that they know they're like mail hey, order sushi yeah yes. you, you want to order sushi and we'll bring it over to your house now you you know he he has a catering business now like i'm like this is fantastic i'm like he's he doesn't have to be anybody famous he doesn't have to have the eighteen thousand tomatoes or anything like that but <laughs> just enough to keep him busy enough and, and to pay the bills and, and yeah, exactly and Provide now he doesn't have the family. overhead and, exactly and and not only that is he can make his craft better. He can focus in on his craft, and their sushi's fantastic. So I'll, I'll tag them. I can't remember the name of the sushi place right now because I'm a terrible friend. But um, I'll tag them in the show notes and stuff like that. So if people are looking for a sushi, that will come to your house. Um, but I think they got fancy enough to where, like, if you're not nearby, you have to go get. But, <laughs> but <laughs> unless you're paying for the full catering thing. Then well, yeah. Well, then if they're close enough to you, then I'll come here and exactly. you can order some. Exactly. But I do like sushi. Oh, yeah. But I like eating sushi with GB because she's like, I'm going to order 50 things i know and it's like okay because i don't think she's ever ordered anything i don't like no she she ordered she ordered sushi she knows how to order sushi it was really funny we actually went to a sushi restaurant not to uh a couple weeks ago because her friend kate was in town so shout oh, yeah. out to kate i don't know if kate listens um i think kate listens kate if you listen shout out to you yeah but she came into town and so we went we dropped the kids off over at my mom's house and then it was kate shannon gb and i we went to sushi right by there and you know how they order sushi like gb's just listing off can we get um this many can we get three orders of this 10 orders of this and and like do they have the one have you been to the places with the with the card and you fill it out yeah but they don't have the cards anymore but hers would look like a sat test (laughs) i know there's nothing no no blank lines (laughs) there's a line there's a dot on every line (laughs) Yeah. yeah so but but at some point the waiter guy he was like you know, we have a leftover policy. And she's like, yeah, 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 I know. There's not going to be any leftovers. Because he was, like, tripped out with how much food that we were ordering. What's the leftover policy? Like, if there's stuff left on your plate, you end up paying the full price for the rolls. Oh. Right. But but since... but You since, already ordered it. It's not like I can order pasta, and if I leave it, I can be like... 
No, but but you got the but the, you got the all you can eat price. So the all you can oh. eat, right? <coughs> so if you if you have if you paid all you can eat and you left rolls, oh, they give you a sur a surcharge for yes, okay. yeah, for the all the stuff that you left behind. And so uh, that's never happened to us. I was gonna say because even I've covered it, be like I can I can eat those three last <laughs> ones. Yeah. Oh yeah. But at one point there was eighty rolls on our table. <laughs> For four of you, for four of us, and that was our. I think that was our second, our second order that came with the eighty rolls on our table. And then there was another. We ended up having a third order. It was much smaller. The third order was much smaller, but but still, I'm staring like there's eighty rolls on our table. This is this is not normal. This is like this is where we break the restaurant. But I thought that that was pretty funny. But um, but yeah. Anyway, so that's that's our sushi story. I think I think that uh, I think that that was that was a fun episode. I don't have much more to add to this. Do you have much more to add to this? I have another sushi story. Go ahead. I remember when we were at Anaheim for the convention. Uh-huh. And um, we went to Sushi we Shark. Dylan. We took Dylan and yes. Aaron. And we drove to the Brea Pencom to drop a car off so that we didn't have to pay for parking. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. So <laughs> I forgot about that. It was good because my because it was the weekend and nobody needed the parking lot, so we found a place to park the car. And then we, I said, "Hey, look, there's a sushi place not here too far for Sushi Shark in Brea, California." Sushi Shark. So we went over there. I can't believe you remember the name. Of course, you remember oh, the name of the place. Yeah. And then you're like, and then you're like, "Don't worry, I'll order these." And then it's like, "Get the two big Sapporos for you and me." And then like just, and then you're just like, "Okay, let's order all this stuff." And we had such a blast. It was yeah. so good. And I'm like, "Oh man." Good Friday, we're supposed to be giving up something. I know, but we had and such not a good eating time. meat. <laughs> it feels so guilty that this is probably the best meal I had <laughs> for like six months. And honestly, yeah. I love how when we go to Anaheim, like half my, you know, we're supposed to be there to like better ourselves and become better youth youth ministers and stuff. And most of the time, I'm like, oh man, where are we having dinner tonight? I know. But, but it's going to be so it, fun. Though. But it is, we do build fellowship. And I love right. running into, I love the fact that we're in LA and there's a 4 billion people there. And it's like you keep running into people that you know from the church next door. Right. <laughs> but that's it's like, I don't see you all year, but I see you when we're here. I know. That's actually, that's what I love about, about Anaheim and the RE Congress is the connections that we're making with other youth ministers. And, and there is some, like, I've been to, to LA Youth Day enough and, and Anaheim RE Congress enough to be like, all right, there's going to be a ton of crappy workshops, but there's also going to be some, some gems. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the biggest benefit that I'm going to get is a a recharge because in the springtime anybody who works in ministry knows that the springtime sucks. Yeah, even like regular <laughs> school, like Lisa waits for that spring break. Oh yeah, it's it's rough, and so the the fact that there's a refuel, a decompress, and a um, an opportunity to just let loose and just like, hey, these are I'm I'm with a bunch of my peers. Um, who are going through the same stuff and who are uh, trying to be faithful and trying to do ministry as best they can, uh, even though everything's a hot mess and we can c- kind of commiserate together and celebrate together. That's that's why that's my retreat, you know. And obviously, in the, the and all of that in the context of the sacraments, because there's never been a time we went to to our RE Congress where I didn't get to go to to in that in that period of time go to confession, adoration, mass several times. Yeah. Like- math every day oh yeah and it's 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 fantastic in receiving the eucharist in that context of of like okay this is something that that i get to be filled with you know i love going to mass at not churches 
Of course you do. <laughs> I like them at churches, but I do like the uniqueness. Oh, no. The I mean, yeah, of... I still go to mass at church every other week. Right, right. Now I have to. But, <laughs> but I, that Russian or uh, that Russian. Uh, uh, the Byzantine. The Byzantine. The, yeah, it wasn't Ruthenian Byzantine, but it was something it was around. Russian, something like that. Oh, that's Ruthenian. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, maybe it was Ruthenian, but. Yeah, and um, that would have been more beautiful in an actual Eastern church than. Oh no, you're right. Because that, but see, that's not what we go to. Right. So you're going out of your element. What I do love is when you go to, it's like Byzantine light. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, this is is travel Byzantine. (laughs) It's like when you get the sushi delivered to you. Yeah. Right. So no, but I mean, it's the fact is, and it's also a little harder too, because you had a whole room full of people who didn't know what the hell they were doing. (laughs) Opposed to if you go to a Byzantine church where you're like, Oh, I'm the only one sitting. I better get up. But I'm the only one crossing myself left to right instead of right to left. Yeah, you got to be a dirty <laughs> double crosser. I know. So, and you got to do the three the fingers, three fingers together. Yep. Together when you do it. So, but it's just like no. But I like going to mass in an arena because yeah. who goes to mass in an arena? No, he goes to- not very often. Yeah. Going to mass in the ballroom or something. But I, but of course you know me. I love going to mass at a the retreats or something. So you're up on the mountain and it's all a bunch of folding chairs. Yeah. But I think that's because like, there's no such thing as sacred architecture and sacred art in the West for the most part. Yeah. But it's just something that just bare bones. Like when we did it in a cave. Yeah. I, Oh, I see what you're saying. Like the focusing on the, the, the liturgy because of the simplicity and the lack of the lack of, uh, sacred art and stuff like that kind of adds to the, yeah. I mean, I don't, I mean, I love, what do you, I I'll love to go to mass in like the clone, you know, cathedral or something or mass there. It's awesome. See, (laughs) you know, or even just at like St. Patrick's. I mean, I've gone there. I didn't go to mass. I did see adoration in the back, which is funny because they kind of got a rope to say this is the adoration part so you can walk by and be like hey whatever and shoot gum and then swear and whatever because that rope's there that stops Jesus from affecting that's not you. how that works oh you sure <laughs> yeah pretty sure oh whoops <laughs> but it does seem like that because it's literally like there's this rope and it's like hey super reverence and it's like ooh tourists <laughs> I know I know I that like, is true I'm like they're having adoration right yeah. I gotta be good oh but there's a rope so I think I'm cool yeah at least if there's a wall, you're like, It's eh. funny. Like, that was the same thing when we went to Rome. Like, the, the churches in um, St. Peter's Basilica. Because, like, there's all kinds of, there's a bunch of chapels. There's, I think, like, 200 chapels or something. Oh, yeah, like there's it. just churches like crazy. Yeah. Right, in, inside the St. Peter's Basilica. Oh, I was even just thinking of Rome. There's just, like, 2,000 churches. In no, town. like, in the <laughs> but Basilica. you're just saying in the Basilica, there, there's, there's like... 200 chapels. Oh, geez. And multiple masses going on at once in various chapels in various languages. And we had an English mass, obviously, because language... Um, language (laughs) back to the Avengers right Um, in in one of the little chapel areas and you're right it's like roped off reverence here but then like if I turned my head right behind me there were people taking pictures (laughs) here are the Catholics in their natural habitat (laughs) watch how they pray it's different (laughs) yeah exactly look look they're thinking about doing works right now those sons of (laughs) sorry Marge they're just not our sort Exactly. <laughs> That's fantastic. Look at them yeah. eating fish. I know. Right? God. Yeah. Sacraments and sacraments and crap. Yeah. works of the law. Especially they got baptized. <laughs> they probably have to go to confession for this. Yeah. 
Yes, I do. But yeah. no, but that's the thing. Yeah, no, it's not a problem with churches. It's the fact that it's something special, that it's right. different. Yeah, and, I, I get what you're saying. You know, one of the best masses I ever had was on a small board retreat. And we had about, we had 12 people or something on the search board. And we had it at a, at a big dining room table. And the priest was at the end and he did all a mass. And literally like we're sitting, we're right now we're at a table. And so... You know, you're just sitting at the edge of the table, and then then we do the reading, sitting at the table, and then when we uh, had communion, we in a sense like kind of passed the bowl around and and um, served to each other, like everybody went to the left kind of thing, and we just went around like that, and literally we just kind of sat there like a board meeting, but did mass, and it was really cool. So it's kind of like, oh, this is like the Last Supper, you know? Except it sounds hippie. It is a little, it's a little <laughs> bit. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. It's very hippie sounding, but it was kind of cool that we did it that time. We all just passed the Eucharist. And it was cool. <laughs> and there and we were no rules. There was no rules. <laughs> the man wasn't trying to bring down my he buzz. Didn't, he didn't make me stand <laughs> or kneel. Or I nothing. was able to gulp, to, to gulp the, ple- the precious blood. And nobody oh, cared. Let me just tell you. <laughs> I have gulped a lot of precious blood, mostly because of retreat stuff. Right, because they're like, consume the rest of it. Because it's like, we got to, and the thing too is it's like, people don't realize that because there's always like three ounces of wine you bring up and everybody takes a sip that's like one quarter of a milliliter and then all of a sudden there's like this half a chalice left and it's like oh. yeah yeah and so that's why in most especially like when we've done confirmation retreats i'm almost always one of the last people and then i will pretty much finish off the, the chalice, the chalice. and then usually there usually has to be more than one person to finish off all the the, the, hosts. the hosts but i've had i've had you know in a sense like a mouthful host oh, jesus yeah, because it's just like the priest is like here. Let's and it fit feels one wrong. more. It let's feels fit wrong. One more in there, <laughs> and it feels so wrong and irreverent that I'm like, I got a Jesus sandwich. It's yes, like, this is it's like a stack of Pringles in my hand, and I'm just shoving it. I'm like, no, this isn't okay. But see, <laughs> that's the thing because I know that's the thing that needs to get right. done. Right, it's I'm a practical purpose. Prepared. Yes, exactly. And I feel kind of special that it's like I get the extra Jesus. That's and not how that, that works, but okay. <laughs> And the fact, and then then when you drink all that extra wine, and then you get that like rush of the alcohol that you're like, ooh, and it gives you that fake placebo of like, ah, feel the holiness. And the next episode of Among Wills will be talking about alcoholism. So yeah, as we drink it, everyone. But it's just funny though because it's just like you know, but it's like like this is my job because it's kind of tough because you know all the kids who are going or whatnot they're not thinking that way, right? So you got to go in the back and just be like, okay. And I know there's a few times where there's like three of us and we're like, okay, here. And the priest is like, here, take this, take that, take that. And then I've also been on the other end where it's like we've got one piece of hose left for the five of you. We're going to split this up. And it's like, crack, 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 here you go. And it's like. And that's where it gets kind of dangerous of like, well, because how much, how much of the fragments of Christ's body get left behind because of stuff like that? That's because when you break the host, obviously smaller fragments fall off. Right. right? And that's but, still, you know, they try to. Right. They try. But well, Jesus a, needs to be free. Jesus, he needs to be on the wilderness. <laughs> You can't tie Jesus down. No, Jesus, Jesus needs to go. You can't tie him down to your stomach. He's a rambling man. <laughs> Wherever he hung his hat at his home. Right. 
No, but just things like that. Like, you know, but I, what was it? It was so funny too. Cause I think it was Christmas or something, or was it at Easter? I don't know. There was one of the holidays when we finally went back to church or something, or I hadn't gone in a while because of like when they finally increased the numbers for us to go. And I was like, awesome. We got to go. I haven't gone to mass in like real life forever, but maybe it was Christmas. Yeah. Cause that's when they got big enough to at least it's like, finally we can go. Cause we yeah. weren't kind of, we weren't going when it's only 50 people. It wasn't worth it. Right. Especially because you hear like, hey, if you've ever gone to church before, don't go again because yeah. there's all these people who've never seen <laughs> who, who, who want to go. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, okay, okay. That was so, terrible. So when it got big enough, we we're like, okay, we're going to Christmas. I don't care. And so we went, and it was just like, finally, I haven't had communion forever. And it's like, here you go, Neil. You this tiny piece because apparently we ran out. And you're like, and I know it's still the same amount of Jesus. Yeah. Theologically, you know, I, but practically. I, I have theolo- yeah, I have enough theological information in my head to feel like, okay, I know. But you still feel like you got gypped. I was like, what the? F-? <laughs> and it wouldn't have felt like that if it's not like, here's the first time you're back. Yeah. But I mean, I should think of it as like, oh, you're in the desert and all you need is that one sip of water. Right. You don't need a gallon. You don't need like yeah. Evian. You'll take the muddy water because I've been starving and, and dying in the desert. But I wasn't. I was no. just like, oh. you're like, I need that. I need that Voss water in that fancy. I have, <laughs> can I have a full piece or I guess not. All right. Yeah. And then they'll probably sing two sucky songs in the middle that aren't Christmas songs. That's what that's what I love about you, Neil. You're like you're like, I understand the theology, but still they should have done better. You've gotta do better, Senator. I know, I'm so that way too. And it was it took me a while before because I and I think I even told Fernando this. He's like, When you go to the seminary, ask this. Like I couldn't have asked anybody else right. or looked it up even online. But it's just the fact is I always hated the fact that they're like, Hey, you know, if you don't get any if you don't get the chalice, no big deal. Everything body and blood's in the in the host. And then I'm like, Well, wouldn't everything be in the wine too? That is true. And then I'm like, that's gotta be crap. <laughs> Because they never said that. And then when I learned that, I'm like, oh, see, I knew it. And then I would point that out like, hey, you know, you can just drink the you can just drink the cup and you're good. Yeah, I think. And then Lisa's like, no, 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 no. Don't just cut in line to drink wine. (laughs) (laughs) Sit down, you 15 year old. We we did talk about this at some point, right? Especially for people with gluten allergies. The the chalice was like the way to go. Yeah, probably. I think we did. I felt like we did. No, we probably did in magical bags of meat or something. Maybe but somewhere in there. But that was the thing. It was just like, I was like, it's got to make sense. I mean, why is it everything? It's either you're getting half of Jesus because it felt like half of Jesus no. because the idea is we get one and then the other. And then it's so if you don't get one, you feel like you're only getting half. What's this? This is like Nestorianism revisited or, or Neo-Nestorianism. Or like, this is Neil. Neil. Neil-Nestorianism. That's exactly what this is. So I'm like, this is half. I feel half full with my Jesusness. And then I've only got it. 50% of Jesus here. And then, you know. No, it's like the two COVID shots. You got to get that second one or it doesn't count, right? <laughs> so it's like, no, this is the Johnson & Johnson COVID shot. You only need one. You only one. need the one and it works and it, and it progresses over time. <laughs> so it's like, okay, but I feel like I'm getting jabbed here. And then it's like, don't worry. We don't have wine. So we didn't make the blood for you losers. <laughs> Yeah. So, but that's how I felt. So once that's I realized funny. it's all in one, too, I was like, I knew it. I see I'm much smarter than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Wrap up the show. Okay. Now. Sorry. Please hit us up on the Instagrams. <laughs> 
because David watches those and everybody loves the IG. We also have Facebook for anybody over 35. Yeah. And um, apparently we have nobody over 35 who listens because nobody hits us up on Facebook. There you go. So um, uh, let us know how we're doing. We try to produce these every so often. This September, we are planning on getting a, a table. Well, we already did. We, we have the, one. We Not only the down payment, but we paid in full for the yeah, table at the diocese. And Just for you guys. Conference. The 25th and, wow. and plus one uh, year of the diocese. Oh, yes. 26th year. Yeah. The 25th. Plus the one. first anniversary of our 25th anniversary. Yes, there you go. Yeah, September seventeenth and eighteenth. So if, uh, for those of you guys who are who are following along, uh, which I got to work out now because it's around the time of Henry's first anniversary of his first birthday, and I was like, "But we're gonna invite so many people who are gonna go to the diocese and conference, so we can't have it that weekend." I'm gonna replace Neil, <laughs> Father Mike Schmidt, <laughs> Father Mike Schmidt, I or guess Jonathan Rumi. I guess I'll have you on this time yeah. after all your begging because uh, Neil can't be Neil can't here. make it. Oh, I got to go now. Yeah. Go see GLT. Be like, GLT, just say, hey, this is the bishop. Listen to Mount Wolves. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I want that. I want an audio bite of that so bad. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. So hit us up. See us there. Write, us, write in if you want anything. And, you know, um, Terry Love, how you doing? <laughs> Play us out. That's it. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Poppy, have you seen Dash?